Changing our politics will not change our land. Changing our church will not change our land. Only Jesus Christ can change our land. And I believe that when God's people pray and we seek his face and we humble ourselves, we can see miracles happen all around us. Several months ago, we decided that we were going to do summer in the Psalms. And I said, July 4th, Independence Day, is one of those Sundays. So there's this beautiful passage, a praise psalm, Psalm 33, is where we're going to land today. So if you have your Bibles, your smartphone, your iPad, or your Kindle, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 33. And we're going to focus on verse 12 here in just a little while. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is that nation. And many of us that are a little bit older, uh, maybe we were born in a much simpler time. I'm not necessarily saying it was a better time, but a simpler time. And here we find ourselves in the 21st century, and we're in all kinds of chaos, all kinds of confusion, all kinds of craziness. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us to make wise choices and wise decisions. But there also must be an acknowledgement, an acknowledgement of that which is right and true. So pick up reading with me in verse 6, if you would, in Psalm 33, where the Bible says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. People say follow the science. Well, a lot of folks only follow the science when it suits their particular belief system. I stand before you today to let you know that it would require more faith by an astronomer or a scientist to believe that two orbs bounced in together out somewhere in deep space and then created the whole universe as we now know it today, it requires more faith to believe that than simply to believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So I stand as your pastor today and say, yes, I believe in creation. I believe it took God six days to do it and on the seventh he rested. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. But we are living in a generation that does no longer like to acknowledge that by his word, the universe was created. We have thought ourselves now smarter than God. We have determined in our heart to believe lies and half-truths rather than what the scripture teaches. And then we have those who say they are deconstructing their faith. I find that very troubling because there's a lot of folks that had no faith to deconstruct to begin with. They had a false belief system. And if that's where some of us online today or some of us on campus find ourselves, today is a day of repentance. So we go from verse 6, notice verse 7. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, and he puts the deeps in storehouses. I believe the psalmist was probably on a shore, sand underneath his feet. He was looking at the mighty oceans and understood that all of its power reflected God and his wisdom in all of creation. You remember the creation story? Look at verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 6. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. The oceans, the rivers, the ponds, the creeks, all of that was separated under the sovereign hand of Almighty God. 
So when you and I begin to understand who he is and the bigness of Almighty God, you and I will stand in awe of him. In fact, verse 8 says, let all of the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants, that's you and I, male and female, of the world stand in awe of him. Now, if you have any common sense at all, the logical response to recognizing a God who is perfect in both character and power, that we should set ourselves in a state of humble awe before him. Now, I've been on the beach in Gulf Shores. I've been on the beach in Panama City. I've been on the beach at Orange Beach. I, I love the beach. That's where a lot of our folks are today, and I hope you're watching. But I stood on the beach in Puerto Rico on a mission trip last week. It's incredible to see God's creation from that island. To see that God just decided to put a place right there in the Caribbean, right where it's supposed to be in all of its perfect form. That should cause us to stand in awe of Him. He painted the most beautiful sunrises and the most beautiful of sunsets on the tapestry of the sky. And I stood there with my 15-year-old and I said, Zeke, man, only God could do this. Evolution can't do this. But Jehovah God did this long ago so that you and I could experience it today thousands of years later. But then it refers to us, the inhabitants. Those of us on planet Earth during the writing of Psalms and now those of us who are reading the Psalms today. Male and female humanity. You know what? You and I have been given an incredible responsibility. Why? Because we were made in the image of God. My, my cat was not made in the image of God. Animals that are on a farm are not made in the image of God. But, but humanity, male and female, are made in the image of God. In fact, the Bible bears this out in Genesis 1 when it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What does the Bible teach us? The Bible teaches us that we are to exercise benevolent dominion over all of God's creation. Everything that God has created is for us, and our enjoyment, and our pleasure to bring honor and glory to God. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. The Lord put me in my mama's belly 57 plus years ago. The Lord put you in your mama's belly however long ago. The Bible bears this out in Psalm 139 that I praise you for I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. How many of us know God don't make on junk, amen? And God doesn't make mistakes. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. But we have a culture today that thinks that a child being born is nothing more than just a cosmic event. But I want to stand before you today and tell you that you're not a science project. We are not what we feel we are. You and I are made in the image of God, both male and female. And by the way, non-binary is not a third gender category. This is not about how you identify, but how you and I were created in the image of God. So let us not distort those truths. Regardless of what society and culture may try to feed us, let us stand on what the Bible teaches and says. 
What does it teach and say? Look at verse 28. And God blessed them. We're a blessed people. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What a responsibility we have been given to care not only for one another as humanity, but also to care for creation by exercising leadership over them. So with that understanding, look at verse 9. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. So what do you think the psalmist was doing at this moment? Remember, this is a praise psalm. He again considered the Word of God and its power. All through Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, God never speaks an empty word. Every time God speaks, it is full of power to ensure not only creation, but also the stability of creation. Why would you say that, Pastor, with all the chaos we have going on today? It's not God's fault that there's chaos. It's our fault because of our sin that there's chaos. Look at verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very, very good. So right here on the front side of the message from Psalm 33 on Independence Day, 245 years that we've been going as a nation, I believe these verses teach us the overwhelming, the unprecedented, miraculous sovereignty of God in the creation of all things, including nations, including the United States of America. So how does this whole universe stay together? Colossians 1. For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Well, pastor, okay, I believe that part, but how does the moon know how to stay where it's supposed to stay? How does the sun stay in the center of our solar system? How, how does our solar system stay within the Milky Way galaxy that stays a part of the whole universe? And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So every time I see a movie about an asteroid coming and destroying planet Earth, it's nothing but fiction. It's a great movie, maybe. It may have a great storyline, but Jesus Christ is holding all of this together. He put the universe exactly as it's supposed to be so that we can even have human life on planet Earth. That's what the Bible says. But I love how the psalmist not just stays on a one-track mind. He now transitions and he starts drawing our attention to the nations, which is what today is about. I did some research. As of today, the United Nations recognizes 195 sovereign countries. And since approximately 3,000 B.C., about 5,000 years ago, there's this spotty historical evidence of hundreds and hundreds of other nations that were identified in both the writings of Scripture as well as secular writings of, by their governance, by their laws, and by trade. But when you and I look in the Bible... The Bible is a chronicle of ancient nations that rose and fell according to the plan of God and the purpose of God. Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. All of these are mentioned in the biblical narrative. 
every one of these nations played key roles in the working with the nation of Israel. Now, I began to think about that when I was studying last week, and I went, wow. Some of the nations that were great kingdoms at one time are now on the ash heap of history, and they're not even a nation anymore. Job 12 and 23. He makes nations rise and then fall. He builds up some of those nations, but he also abandons others. And I think about the greatness of our nation. I think back to some of my American history classes about Manifest Destiny. I think about some of our good history, but also some of our not-so-good history. I also think of our humble beginnings as the United States of America in 1776 does not guarantee our future survival. When I look at end-time prophecy, we're not mentioned. A lot of nations aren't mentioned, mind you, but we aren't mentioned. Psalm 46 and 6, nations rage. That means nations sin. Kingdoms topple the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Romans. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. It means that God will bring judgment and then there's the consequence of our decisions. And I believe that we are now in the process of reaping the whirlwind because of our past national sins. Three and a half years before the Civil War broke out, I think almost every country on the planet knew that a great divide had happened because of slavery in the United States of America, and there was going to be a division. A British parliamentarian by the name of Thomas Macaulay wrote this three years before the outbreak of the Civil War. This is what he wrote. Your republic will be as fearfully plundered and laid waste by barbarians in the 20th century as the Roman Empire was in the 5th century, with this difference. The Huns and the Vandals who ravaged the Roman Empire came from without. It means that they were enemies from the outside of the borders. But your Huns and Vandals will be engendered within your own country. And that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing not an explosion, but an implosion. It's almost the appearance that Thomas Macaulay was a prophet of some sort. So as a nation, we are still here today, 245 years into our history, because of God's sovereign plan and benevolence. Because our national sins are ugly. We have committed atrocities. We have held people in bondage. We have killed our unborn. We have embraced perversion. And we think as if we're going to get away with it. We're living in the day where they call good evil and evil good. This cannot continue. And it will not. Look at verse 10. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. Every new administration that either comes in to the governors or to the White House they have their own plan. They have their own philosophy. They have their own way of doing things. But even our best politicians, the best of politics or policies, pale in comparison to the righteous rule of Almighty God. In any given election cycle, one half of the electorate is frustrated and the wisest counsel is brought to nothing. So as I was studying last week, I said, where can I relate this from Scripture? Thus, Daniel 
The young man who had been taken from his homeland, Israel, and during the 70-year Babylonian captivity, he served under Nebuchadnezzar. Look at Daniel 4 and 25. The Most High is ruler over the kingdom of men, and he gives it to anyone he wants. So whether it was Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, or whether it was Cyrus with the Mede-Persians, or Caesar to the Romans, he'll give it to anyone he wants. So in God's economy, in every time period of history, there were certain nations that would play a role in God's larger plan. The biblical record reveals this truth. But some of us don't want to see it because we don't want to learn from it. And if we don't learn from it, we are doomed to repeat it. And that's where we're headed today. Look at verse 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. And I know that all of us, regardless of what side of the aisle we are on, we'll go, he got elected, she got elected, and sometimes it's simply a head scratcher. We just don't understand. But when we understand the larger big picture of Almighty God and his sovereignty, look at Daniel chapter 4 and verse 17. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth, including the United States of America. And he gives them to anyone he wishes, and he sets over them the lowliest of people. I don't know if that's speaking to their character or to their politic. I don't know. But what I do know, that's what the Bible says, that the Most High God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth. Let me give you a quick history lesson, and you know this because you've heard me talk about it. God used the Syrians, Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans to chasten Israel to prepare them, praise God, for a future restoration. Now today, we know that salvation is not just for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles. We've been grafted into the vine to God be the glory, amen? That the blood of Jesus was shed on Calvary, not just for the Jewish people, not just for the Hebrews, but for those of us who are Gentiles as well. And because of that truth, you and I today can repent of our sins and we can believe in the gospel and be set free. And you would think the Bible would be enough to sort of turn our hearts and say, we need to repent, we need to get right. But yet we don't. Because we're blessed materially so well. You would think nations that God has put upon and ordained to be part of the scheme of this planet would do the right things. They would make the right choices. They would treat everybody well. They would make sure that everybody was fed and everyone had health care and all of these things. But look at Acts 14 and 16. In past generations, God allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Now, of course, this was written in the first century. So we think back from the first century backward and how the Egyptians held the Jews in the book of Exodus as slaves in bondage, but we didn't learn the lesson. And then throughout the course of the 39 books of the Old Testament, all of the wars and rumors of wars and the fightings and the purgings and everything that took place, God allows nations to walk in their own ways. And part of my reverential fear 
It's in 2021 that the United States of America is choosing, like all the other nations, to walk in their own ways instead of the ways of the cross. Look at verse 12. This is a verse I've been waiting on. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Now, let me give you the context. Be very careful in your hermeneutics and your homiletics that you take things out of context and you make it say something that it's not supposed to say about a people it's not supposed to say it about. I believe the psalmist here is referring to beloved Israel. I believe he's talking about the chosen people, his heritage, the Hebrew people from the Abrahamic covenant in, in the book of Genesis. But now for those of us who are in Christ, 2,000 plus years later, could we be part of that chosen group? I certainly believe the United States is a materially blessed nation. All you got to do is travel. There have been some places I couldn't wait to get back to the U.S., let them stamp my passport, and let me kiss the ground. Amen? Some of you have traveled abroad. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We are a blessed, blessed people. But it also promotes this question. Is God the Lord of the United States? For some of us, yes. But for others, absolutely not. We see what's going on in some of our cities. We see the unrest. We see the burnings. We, we, we see the consequences of previous national sin that's bringing some of this to pass. Gallup polls, the most recent, say that we are a country that believes in God. We just don't live like we believe in God. And that's a problem. Are we a people chosen as His heritage? Now again, context, he was speaking of Israel in Psalm 33. But looking out into future history... Could he have had us in our humble beginnings breaking away from the tyranny of Great Britain and the monarchy to found a, a nation built upon biblical principles in this hemisphere that would not only be a blessing here, but a blessing around the world? I do believe we could have been in the heart of God to do just that. But 245 years later, we have drifted so far from our humble beginnings. I don't know who originally came up with this, but it certainly spoke to me. It's called the paradox of our time. The paradox of our time is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers, wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but we have less. We buy more but we enjoy it less. We have bigger houses but smaller families, more conveniences but less time. We have more degrees but less sense, more knowledge but less judgment, more experts but more problems, more medicine but less wellness. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get angry too quickly, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too seldom, watch TV too much, and we pray too seldom. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but we have trouble crossing the street to meet the new neighbor. We've conquered outer space, but not inner space. And I love this last line. We've done larger things, but not better things. I believe that's a microcosm of the United States in 2021. 
Yet, because God had a specific purpose for certain nations in the Bible, many of us assume that the same must be true about the United States. And because I'm a patriot, I'm inclined to think this way. That in the 18th century, in the 1700s, that there needed to be a nation in this hemisphere. So therefore, God raised up men like Washington and Adams and others to give us this great land 245 years later now to be a blessing to the whole world. However, no modern nation is mentioned in the Bible, nothing beyond the Roman Empire. All we can say is what the Bible says in the final analysis. Anything beyond this is our opinion and our speculation. So as I close, I want to give you three questions to consider. And for those of you that are at home, I want you to just hear me out. Don't don't shut it down quite yet. Does the United States hold a special place in God's plan? I believe we do. And it's not anything to brag about, not anything to uh, poke our chest out about and say, man, look at us. It's nothing to be prideful about. We need to be humbled by this. He, he, He could have chosen Yugoslavia. He could have chosen another country. He could have chosen another continent. But for whatever reason, I believe he maybe have chosen us. Has God blessed the United States because of its founding upon biblical principles? I believe so. But we've drifted away. And we're not better because of it, friend. And I know that some of us deep down go, yeah, but boy, man, we're freer now. We can do whatever we want to do. Do you really want to do that with fallen humanity? In the midst of our depravity of sin, do you, do you really want to give us some more rope? Do you really want to unleash us? Absolutely not. I want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be controlled by me. Because I know what I am capable of. I'm capable of great sin just like you are. That's why we need the restrainer. And then lastly, has God... Excuse me. Is the United States in danger of divine punishment for the growing tolerance and practice of sin? And I think so. He wiped Sodom and Gomorrah off the face of the planet with fire and brimstone. Our nation has committed far greater transgressions, and we've done them longer. And we wonder, as each generation comes, when will the divine judgment come? A lot of people thought 9-11, 2001 was part of that. Maybe, maybe not. Would God use the wickedness of militant Islam to bring judgment upon the United States of America the way that he used the wicked Assyrians and the wicked Babylonians to bring judgment upon Israel? Hmm, very possible. And that's where we are today. That if we continue to embrace gross sin, and listen, you can change the name of it, make it nicer. It's still sin. It's still in violation of Holy Scripture, regardless of what name you call it. And here we find ourselves in a very free country that now has social media platforms that if you mention something or even infer something, they're going to block you or even remove you. And sometimes it's just because you love Jesus. 
And so as we progress forward, is that the kind of progress we want? Or do we take our stand now? Do we say, Lord, Jesus, help us to no longer be tolerant in the practice of our sin, but let us repent of our sin and do it no more? Will we stay on this broad path that's going to eventually lead to our destruction? Listen, just because we've been here 245 years doesn't mean we'll be here 245 years from now. It's going to be based upon decisions and choices that we're going to make now. And I look at Zeke and Danny, 15 and 6 years of age. What kind of America will they grow up in? My grandbabies one day, that if the Lord lets me live long enough and I get to be a granddaddy, what will my grandkids grow up in? It's not better. It is far, far worse. So what does that mean for us today as I close? I believe the Scripture bears out that there is a time when God abandons men to their own choices. And then the consequences of those choices. But pastor, I'm a church member. I go to First Baptist Church Athens. I'm a good guy. You know what? I give tithes and offerings. You know, I teach Sunday school. I'm a, I'm a good person. And that's all fine and good until you read the Bible in Matthew chapter 5. And it says that the sun rises on the evil and good and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. You know what that means? That the next tornado that hits North Alabama, there'll be people that are saved and lost that will die and lose their homes. There'll be people on the Gulf Coast that when the next hurricane comes and it causes a lot of damage, it'll be saved people and lost people that'll either lose their life or lose their property. Yeah, the sun rises on the good and the evil. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. He's sovereign. And if our God would judge his beloved chosen Israel, how much more would he do to us if we continue in the same path that we're running now? So I want you to look at this last verse of Scripture with me. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people. And for whatever reason, you and I have decided to put levels on things. Who by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. And there are some of you watching today, and there are some of you that's turned me off. The volume went way down a little while ago. I don't want to hear this. You're suppressing the truth. And it's not my truth. It's God's truth. It's his word. And we have a decision to make. I'm either going to embrace it and apply it in my life, or I'm going to reject it, and I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. Preacher, you can't make me. I, I can't. Oh, listen, when I was a younger man, I'd have come out in a, mm, I'd have come out in a pews and got you in a Holy Ghost headlock and dragged you kicking and screaming to the altar. But what good is that going to do? It's got to be you being drawn by the Holy Spirit, receiving conviction of the Holy Spirit, and then repentance based upon the Holy Spirit drawing you. I can't save you. You can't save you. Only Jesus. He's our answer today on July 4th, 2021, the 245th year of our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence. I love my country. I know that you love it as well. We may have different philosophies. We have, may have different ways of interpretation as such. 
But when we come to the book, when we come to the Word, it's very clear. It's not ambiguous. Very clear cut that even a child can understand. I pray that we will as well. I want you to bow your heads with me. You've been so gracious. There are some of you uh, at home right now, and you've listened to my ranting for the last 32 or 33 minutes or so, and I want to say, first of all, thank you for hanging out with us. And I truly believe that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It's the Bible. It's just Scripture. But maybe you've been in a drift the last 16 months of COVID. Maybe life has gotten very tough and there's been a lot of pressure and you have found yourself medicating yourself in ways that you know is wrong. But maybe today the Holy Spirit has interrupted and now he's speaking to your heart right where you are. You could be in the mountains or you at the beach or maybe somewhere in between. But right now he wants to touch you. Listen, we've got some folks that are manning the phones right now. They would love to hear from you. Oh, pastor, I don't know if I can call it. Listen, they'll listen. And they will hear your heart, and they would love to pray over you. Why don't you give us a phone call right now, 256-232-0602. Let us be able to minister to you. For some of you that are at home right now, you see that QR code. That QR stands for quick response. Take your camera from your smartphone and put it on that square. And as soon as it comes on there, it's going to pull up something. You click on it, and it's going to take you right to our website. And on that website, it's going to show you a couple of different options. For some of you, it's just sort of letting us know that you were here today. For others, it's letting us know that you have a need. So even though you're at home and you're not here on campus with the rest of us, you're very special to us and you're very important to God. Let us minister to you. And then the good old-fashioned way, just email us, info at fbcathens.org. Thanks again for being a part of our service today. For my church family and guests who are here on campus, has the Holy Spirit touched you? In just a moment, our pastors are going to hang out here in the front. But you may not need to speak to any of them. You just need to talk to Jesus. Just come and lay across these steps. Spend a little time with the Lord. We have guests from all over the place. Ben and Jen White, pastor and his bride from Masonville Baptist Church up in Utica, Kentucky, are here with us today. Got their two beautiful boys with them. Maybe like them, you're a guest here today. Thanks for coming. And hopefully that something Wason has sung or something that we have taught today has resonated with your heart. Don't walk out of here the same way you walked in. Let Jesus do his work in you. So Lord, we pray now and we are so thankful for what you've done. And Father, this is the third and final service of this particular Lord's Day. And Lord, I know that you want to uh, save people. You want to, uh, people to rededicate their lives to you. You, you want to touch people and heal people. Lord, you want to do all kind of wonderful things this morning. We're going to ask you, Father, not to abandon us. Not to leave us, Lord. And Lord, 
to repent of our national sins, to repent of our personal sins. And let us be humble and remember that we are the chiefest among sinners around us. So let us not point fingers at others who happen to sin differently than we do. So Holy Spirit, have your will and way these next few moments. The altar is open. May we use it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you stand with us?